Well, we're still here, so let's talk about it. Today I'm going to throw out some definitions of grief, different kinds of grief, and the implications when a person is suffering in this way. I've talked before about regular grief, or what we can consider normal or typical grief, which is expected to last from six months to one or two years. It doesn't mean that we forget the loss. It simply means that we have moved past it or through it, and we can resume our regular lives. But when does grief get complicated? Well, it gets complicated when it becomes debilitating. Without improvement over time, psychologists would tell you that this is called persistent complex bereavement disorder. The painful emotions in this disorder are so severe and long-lasting that the person has trouble recovering from the loss and resuming their own life. They identify this as lasting over one year. The American Psychological Association also calls it prolonged grief disorder, and what they describe here are feelings of intense grief that persist, and it also causes problems and interferes with daily life. This can be described as intense longing for the deceased, preoccupation with the deceased, or the circumstances around the death. It also can cause significant distress or problems with activities of daily living, like making breakfast, doing the dishes, laundry, showering, etc. It can also affect your work. People who experience this prolonged, painful grief can really be hampered in their function of normal, typical life. It can really be disabling. Now, normally, psychologists would define this through what's called the DSM. I think they're up to six now. So, for an adult, it would be any grief, this this intense grief, right, that lasts past the first year. And for children and adolescents, it would be anything past six months. So, here are some symptoms of prolonged grief disorder: feeling as though a part of oneself has died. With their loved one, they feel a marked sense of disability. They feel a marked sense of disbelief about the death. They avoid any reminders that the person is dead. They have intense emotional pain, like anger, bitterness, and sorrow around the death. They have difficulty reintegrating or engaging with their friends or. Pursuing any interests, or even making plans for the future, they could feel emotional numbness. So maybe not the intense feelings, but no feelings. But I think it even goes deeper than that. It's just a numbness to anything. They can feel that their life is meaningless without the person they've lost. Now. Only seven to ten percent of adults tend to get into this kind of prolonged grief. For children, it's five to ten percent. Something I read described this kind of grief as being trapped in pain. Some other things that can happen here are feeling no sense of purpose in life, or 
excessively seeking reminders of the person that was lost or things that remind them. A person grieving this way could have suicidal thoughts, could have an inability to accept that the loss occurred, could have persistent, intrusive thoughts about the person that was lost. They could have a loss of appetite. They could have insomnia or sleep disturbance. They could just have extra stress. They could even have a weakened immune function. Now contrasting prolonged grief disorder is normal or common grief. And we've talked a little bit about this, but let's just do it again. This is called feeling all the feels, but still manage your day-to-day functioning. The feels become more distant over time. They may never go away completely, but the intensity can start to dwindle after about year one, year two. All right, now let's talk about some types of grief. There's something called anticipatory grief. This is a grief when you are caring for someone or someone that you care about has a terminal illness. It's considered an early heartache that comes when we see our loved ones suffering and knowing that they will die soon. Sometimes we are watching that person drift away. This can cause sadness, worry, and exhaustion. There's also complicated grief. Complicated grief has several different types. One is chronic grief, which is six months to a year, but also has depression or PTSD attached to it, or perhaps even an anxiety disorder. There's absent grief, very few visible signs of grief at all after a loss or lack of awareness that one is grieving at all because their emotions are flat. Could be also that the deep sadness is so deep or the guilt or regret that this person may be feeling is just because of deep denial about the loss to the point that they want to avoid any of the emotional upheaval or pain. There's something called delayed grief, where the onset of grief comes much later than the loss itself. It can kind of be puzzling or shocking or confusing. And it makes the person who has delayed grief uncertain as to how they cope with these emotions so long after the loss. And I can think about that. You know, it's like, why am I sad now? I actually had a memory like that recently. Somebody popped in my head that I had not thought about for over 30 years. But all of a sudden, I could see the street that he lived on. I saw the car that he drove. I even saw his face in my head. And I had a moment of sadness because it was a friendship that ended rather abruptly. And it was my fault. I was moving away. And because I didn't want to feel the sadness, I didn't properly say goodbye. And now here we are 30 plus years later, and I realized I was grieving that. But it was confusing because I wrote the guy a letter later saying, you know, how sorry I was that I didn't take more time to properly say goodbye. But I think I felt guilty. And in that moment, having that rush of recall was kind of disarming, really. It passed, thankfully. 
But at the time that it happened, I was really blown away at the intensity of the feelings in that moment. There's something called distorted grief, which is manifested by non-typical symptoms that might be more intense or unusual than others would consider typical grief. For example, they might deny the loss, but wish for that person to return. They might also have high expectations for others in that moment, maybe act out in damaging ways to their family or friends, maybe even to their coworkers. They might also just feel disconnected from the world. There's something called collective grief. This grief is experienced by a large group, such as when 9-11 happened, COVID-19, the tragedy of George Floyd. As a society, in general, people were shocked, confused, unbelieving of these events taking place. And then we can concentrate on prolonged sadness. That's when it starts to get problematic because we're looking for justice or answers and it can create exhaustion, withdrawal, maybe even engaging in reckless behavior. Then there's something called disenfranchised grief. This grief is known as hidden grief. This is considering that grief is unacceptable on a societal level, and then we have to hide our sadness. This is something that happens a lot of times in the case of a pregnancy or miscarriage. Often, women don't feel that they can mourn the loss of that child. People say, well, you can have another child, or, well, that child wasn't even born yet. You couldn't possibly be so sad. They then begin to feel disenfranchised from their surroundings, the people around them, because they have to hide their sadness. This can happen in a case of a doctor or a nurse who has lost a patient. It's all part of the job. Just buck up and keep moving. But there is sadness, and who can they really talk to about it? The other loss of this type can be loss of a pet. You can get another dog. You can get another fish. You can get another bird. Certainly. But I loved that dog. I wanted that fish or that bird. Then they feel disenfranchised or marginalized from their peers. I have a quote here. This person is saying that losses that I just described are typically expected to be grieved in private. But she retorts saying, every person's journey through grief is unique and there is no right or wrong way to grieve. And I agree. However, it's important to watch out if we are having this extended grief or prolonged grief or some of this complicated grief. Because if you need to get help, it's helpful to know that there's identifiers. Not all grief requires therapy. I would say, but if you find yourself in any of the above categories, you might want to consider finding a support group or a therapist or reaching out to any of the hotlines. 988, for example, can be very helpful. There's a website called The Very Well Mind, which I find a lot of really helpful information. So Wendy Weisner made up a list of resources for getting help with any of these types of extended, prolonged, or disabling grief. I'll put the email address in the show notes so that you can look it up. But also don't forget that there's the 988 number 
And there's various other hotlines out there. If you or someone you know needs help. I hope that this gave you a little bit of information about grief. If there's somebody that you know who appears to be in one of these categories that I listed today, who is having some struggles getting back to their normal daily life after the loss, or maybe they just aren't opening up, maybe they're trying to hide their grief, you can be a good friend and point them in the direction of some phone numbers on the website or the 988 or have a cup of coffee, sit across from them and just listen. That could be a great start for somebody. Thanks for being here today. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening today. You can go to my website for more articles, little news pieces, or a transcript of this podcast. The website is whilewe'restillhere.com. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can send me an email too. Thanks again. And until next time, take care.